0: He never stopped working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination. I've got to keep pushing myself.
1: Hello and welcome to Hi Ya! The only podcast that thinks the term wooden waster refers to Chuck Norris's brilliant performance as an alcoholic cigar store Indian. Okay. <laughs> Episode number 30, recorded uh, more or less in late January, early February, starts now. Uh, to my left, I have a special guest in the studio tonight my co host and loving wife, Thais. Hi. Yeah. Hiya. There you go. so yeah one of the many many things that's come up on this show is hey jones why you has no women's on your show
2: exactly yeah that's the question i've been asking for at least six months maybe longer why
1: don't you explain to the listeners why uh you absolutely refuse to come on this show and uh help us out with that i mean it's really you know you could help me out a little from time to time
2: well Hey, it's not my job, number one. <laughs> um, you know, you're the one who's supposed to be booking guests. You you complain to me that you can't find women who will come on. So, you know, I think you just need to look harder. We're more than 50% of the population of the world, so come on now.
1: Yeah, train more, work harder. Well, you know, on that note, we have our, we're breaking the seal tonight, folks. We have our first uh, woman guest on, which is not the way I want to primarily characterize this person, but uh, yeah. But still,
2: that's good. I'm I'm ready to hear like not just a sausage fest in the po- podcast that I'm listening to every week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, oh, come on. Don't lie. You love it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like you don't get enough sausage festivities the rest of the time with us around. <laughs>
2: I live in a house full of boys and men and boys and men and boys and men coming over all the time and hardly any women. And, um, you know, it if you can imagine, and most of these men and boys do martial arts or they pretend like they do. Hey, now. I'm talking about Olin.
0: Oh, okay. And,
2: um... <laughs> Exactly. And I have a boy dog and a boy cat. And so, you know, it's, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready just to hear like, you know, yeah. some sensible people.
1: Yeah. Oh, boy, so am I. Although, uh, th- <laughs> thanks to Ryan Hall for coming on last week. That was, uh, that was one of our most sensible interviews we've ever had. Um,
2: I've yet to hear that one. Yeah, you
1: gotta you gotta listen to that. Everybody should go back and listen to that one. Forget the rest of them, but listen to that one and promote uh, his open letter. To the martial arts tell your friends.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No mm-hmm. need to get into it right now. No. Though.
1: No. Um. But uh, tonight on the show we have Karina Sirencione. Does that name ring a bell with you, martial artists out there? She's if, a
2: fellow Californian woman, isn't she?
1: No, she's from Arizona.
2: Oh dang! She's she's <laughs> west, West West.
1: Yeah, West Coast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: She's my neighbor.
1: You and your allegiances. Oh, whatever. i tell you oh, what. come
2: on. Come on. Can't I have them?
1: You were going to root for the Falcons in the Super Bowl. You were going to do it. I was. Yep.
2: And I was really pissed off at them for their sorry. Be- Sad performance. Yeah, yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But this ain't that kind of sports podcast. Lament. No. Um No, Karina, you may not be familiar with her name, but uh, she is the sole proprietor of uh, Raven Studios, who makes...
2: Beautiful, beautiful, awesome, very cool, very well-made um, martial arts um, wooden weapons, weapons. Yep. And they're they're well balanced. They're awesome, and I highly recommend them as for yourself and for gifts for others because they are just fantastic. Yep. I T- love them. Thais
1: has watched me go through this with these things. I love, love, love them. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, uh if if you didn't get the joke at the beginning, they're sometimes known as wooden wasters, especially if you spar with them because, you know, they will eventually wear down if you're banging them against other wooden These are swords. just
2: too beautiful though. I you know. wouldn't want to spar with these. <laughs> I mean, practice with them sure, but oh my gosh, they're just they're beautiful. You can you can hang them on your wall in the meantime, you know, when you're not using them.
1: Mhm. Well, it's great to have a wooden swords that you like to play with because uh one, you're not going to cut your own ear off practicing, which is something I'm always afraid of. And two, I can leave them laying around the house in places where they're handy if somebody comes barging through the door. And if my son goes over and picks it up, he's not going to cut his nose off with
2: it. (laughs) Right. He might just, you know, bang it on the dog's head or something. But, you know, everyone will live. Everyone will live. Yeah.
1: He'll he'll find things to bang the dog with, whether the swords are out there um, or not. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. So I had a great conversation with uh, Karina, and we will get to that in just a second. Uh, Before we do... I wanted to tell a little story to the listeners uh and Ty's you can you can back me up on this. Um hmm, we'll you know see. after the whole school thing fell apart and the holidays and everything I got a little bit down in the dumps didn't I? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Just I've been a little, a little bit. I've been a little bit
1: a little bit worried. And uh you know I, I just I wasn't doing any martial arts at all. I've taken like a 6 or 8 week sabbatical with mm-hmm. with no training whatsoever and uh Yeah, oh, he's just
2: looking so um you know Lumpy like a couch potato
1: Mm -hmm. Growing extra eyes Almost (laughs) It's pretty sad (laughs) And uh, I got an infected tooth That was terrible Um, You know uh, I I gotta say I went out and worked out today I did some shingy with Big Al and the boys Down at the park And I feel like a new man
2: I'm so glad I'm, I'm just so sick of you sitting on the couch It's amazing just to think of you Getting back out in the park on the porch, I don't care where. I just want to see some bogwa some shingy, some whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> like, you do it and call it physical movement of any kind, and I'm going to be a happy camper. Because, yeah, you just you, – you you need this to survive, Dave. Just an FYI for you. I've known you for 11 years now.
1: hmm
2: hmm And um,
1: I know. I know. It's
2: a really long time.
1: <laughs> kind of sad, isn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but – but this is something that you definitely need, so keep it up. Keep it up. I'm really proud of you for finally getting out there. And
1: Yeah, and I'll throw it out to everybody else out there. Boy, if you get a little depressed, a little down in the dumps, uh, and you quit doing your martial arts, all you martial artists, it's like forgetting to take your medication. You're just going to slip further down the rabbit hole till you get back on that uh, horse stance and ride.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad that you finally realized that that's what you needed to do. I mean, I, I've been trying to encourage you, but there's only so much I can do. But, um Yeah
1: yeah you're no. the one
2: i love the best so well, you, I, i'm happy you, to see you doing something oh, that you thank love you.
1: but when you encourage me to do things honey that's called henpecking because you're my wife
2: i know but i hate <laughs> that i, hate
1: I know that. i'm just fucking with you i know, I know. <laughs> oh now the other thing that kind of helped me get off the couch was you know when you get a lot of bad news about something sometimes that little bit of positive news can help you out and uh So here's this one, and uh, martial artists out there, you can write in and tell us if you've ever had anything like this happen, but this is the first time this has ever happened to me, either directly or indirectly, so I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, One of my students, a private student, uh, was uh, traveling over the holidays, and I think he was in Florida maybe, Um, and uh, he popped out of his hotel and found a little grassy spot, a little park uh, nearby where he was staying to uh, To go and practice, and he said he got out there, and there were three or four, you know, Chinese oldsters out there doing, you know, he couldn't even uh, identify a lot of what they were doing, but they were doing some boxing and some Tai Chi and stuff like that. And uh, you know, he was a little intimidated at first, but then he said, "Well, screw it, you know, they don't know me from Adam, and I don't live here, so I'm just going to go ahead and practice." And he popped on the circle and started practicing some Bagua and doing a little bit of stuff. And eventually, one of them came over to him. Now, you know this has happened to me before in the park and sometimes they're nice and they're like, Oh, that's all is that gal style or whatever maybe they recognize what I'm doing or whatever. And sometimes, you know, they'll walk over and look at you for a little while. And when you stop and say hi, they'll go, you do it all wrong. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get there. <laughs> but, uh, this guy, you know, he's practicing and he's about halfway through the system and he's still, you know, he's still kind of getting his legs under him. He's improved a lot, but, uh, So he's practicing, he stops, and he starts chatting with the guy, and the guy goes, hey, that's Bakwa, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, well, how long have you been doing He's like, I don't know, maybe about a year. He says, you know, I'm not really that good at it yet or anything. And the guy goes, something to the effect of, well, I see a lot of people do kung fu, and they do broken kung fu. He said, what you learn is not broken.
2: Wow. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that's like a little feather in your cap.
1: It is. Some little Asian oldster came up and not only didn't insult the guy, but actually uh, said something nice about his kung fu. And,
2: and, and his
1: teacher. Mm. <laughs> and,
2: and and our teacher, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it rolls downhill. And yeah. if you follow the trail uphill, it's going to wind up back with an old Chinese guy anyway. So there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that that's that is good news though. Mm-hmm. I like that for him and for you because I I bet that made I bet that made him feel really good. And yeah. and he he really did struggle in the beginning uh, a little bit um to to just have um you know um just like his posture but he really has worked on it and so good for him.
1: Yeah, no, he's coming along and I told him to to sear that moment into his brain and treasure it because it may never happen again. Yeah. Next time a little old Chinese guy walks up to you in the park, it's probably gonna be, Oh, you do it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> White guy know how to no know how to do that.
2: Well, you never know. <laughs>
1: no, that's true. That's you true. Know? I'm put you know, some old Chinese guy's gonna hear this and slap me next time he sees me in the park because so. I'm stereotyping, but you know, like I said, I've had it, I've had it both ways.
2: Yeah, yeah, you need a little slap every once in a while.
1: Oh, I do. Uh, And that's why I have you and all my dear friends to kick me back into the line. Speaking of which, we're going to move right on into the interview here in just a second, but I also wanted to mention Craig has finally uh, hauled himself out of the doldrums of illness. Oh,
2: thank goodness.
1: They had him on the cart, and they were pulling him away from the house, and he jumped up and he said, I feel much better, and he started dancing around. So, uh,
2: In uh, typical Craig fashion, uh like (laughs) a little elf.
1: Yep. (laughs) Or more like a gnome. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little felt cap, and he's off. Yeah, you right. never
2: know where he's going to pop up.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, he couldn't be here today to record these wraparounds with us because he's representing for the uh, Haya crew at uh, the Chinese New Year's demos uh, today. So let's all hope he broke away. Haya
2: Craig, a- yeah.
1: So i hope he broke a leg and it wasn't his. Yay. All right. Well, we'll pop in to give you the where's and what for's after the interview. But uh, for now, that's all we've got. Uh, I gave the, uh, the, the strippers and the prostitutes and uh, the drug dealers and uh, the cut purses all the night off at the okay. champagne lounge. So uh, would you care to join me in there, honey? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go do it. ready okay no problem <laughs> so my phone
3: just wouldn't
1: pick up we're used to that kind of thing over here yeah i'm, sure I'm
3: not <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay folks we've got Karina serencioni on the line <laughs> uh she is the uh sole proprietor and founder of uh raven studios little raven we'll get that correct with you in just a second. Uh, uh, fantastic maker of wooden wasters and practice swords, and she's also a Wing Chun practitioner and teacher, and we're going to find out a little bit more about her today. Uh, so, Karina, why don't we go ahead and start off where I start most of these interviews with uh, a little bit of background on yourself and what got you into the martial arts and, uh, you know, uh, what got you interested in this, this right. crazy avocation.
3: Okay, well, I'll start out with my martial arts background a little bit, and uh, I uh, I grew up in the Chicago area. Um, in the 70s. Uh, I'm probably a few years older than you are. Oh, I
1: don't think so. I was um, born in 68, so...
3: 68? <laughs> <laughs> <Eight>? No. <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm in my late 40s, mid-40s, and um, was always interested in martial arts, but as a child, uh, was not allowed to practice martial arts uh you know i watched the tv show kung fu and all of that and and uh, but my parents would would not allow that uh, of me was it just something they
1: wouldn't want a kid to do period or was it you know because you were a girl and they thought it was too rough and tumble
3: yeah that was probably it the girl thing and they didn't know anything about martial arts and it was you know it looked like vicious fighting and you know that wasn't that wasn't Going to happen.
0: Okay. Um,
3: but I did. I did have my my outlet for that uh, through athletics. I was. I've always been extremely athletic and and uh, outdoorsy and sports and all of that. So I grew up playing everything that I could, <laughs> athletic wise. And
1: what was your um, what was your favorite uh, school sport back in the day?
3: Oh gosh, uh, I played a lot of soccer. Um, I loved uh, track and field events. I uh, uh, softball, basketball, baseball. Just about everything, okay, um I did everything <laughs> um i just i loved athletics, I loved training, I loved challenging myself physically um that was a big part of my growing up uh it was just an uh i guess you could say an obsession uh I would rather say a passion right um, uh but uh so it wasn't let's see i I moved to after high school my family moved to the Denver area and um uh basically I fell in love and got married and uh uh moved to Tucson in 1987 uh, after a few years I was in my early 20s and uh it really really the martial arts was was really pulling me I wanted to I wanted to get into that so I started looking around a little bit and I didn't know anything about anything as far as martial arts goes. And I started, I went to a um, just a local park, park, uh, parks and rec park district and uh, took a Tai Chi class and um, just really fell in love with it. And uh, the instructor there knew uh, some Tai Chi, he knew a little Xing Yi, a little Bagua, and, and uh, so I got kind of a an introduction to the the chinese arts yeah all of the
1: the internals the three big internals there
3: yeah yeah and and so i uh, did that for a few years but i realized i realized that uh, the the teacher i was learning from um, he was mostly a forms guy he knew lots and lots of forms and that was fun and very interesting but i was really interested In the martial aspect as well, and and I knew with this particular person I I wasn't going to get that. Sure. So eventually I started putting my feelers out for for something more complete, or really I was looking for a person that, that understood more of a complete system. I wasn't really looking for a style, so to speak. Uh, right, but, yeah, but so I didn't,
1: you, I, you wanted the whole package from soup to nuts, the fighting,
3: yeah, the forms, the, the everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted the whole package, and it, and it wasn't really that I was looking for a specific style of martial art. I, I was really looking for a person who had that complete package. So what happened was, in this would be 1990, I went to, um, took a trip to Phoenix. I was living in Tucson, went, took a trip to Phoenix to go to this martial arts uh, exhibition. And I remember it well because it was one of the hottest weekends ever in Phoenix. It was uh, 120 degrees. Oh my God. uh, This exhibition was in a, in a school gymnasium and it was hotter than blazes in there, (laughs) but I was in heaven. I was in absolute heaven. Just, there were, there were martial artists from all over the country doing demos and, uh, it was just, it was fabulous for me and, and it was a lot of fun and, um, did I they
1: stopped. have any fighting at that tournament or or was it mostly it
3: wasn't really a tournament. It was just more like a masters demo. Oh, okay. Um okay. it was just demonstrations. So there wasn't any fighting. Um uh I had gone to a couple of tournaments to, to watch at that point, but wasn't practicing anything that was uh competitive at that time. Sure. But uh I I went to this expo and and um that is where I saw uh, Augustine Fong doing a demo, and uh, what impressed me was not so much Wing Chun, because I didn't know what that was. I really didn't know what Wing Chun was or what Chi Sao was or what anything was, but watching him move was just, it floored me. It was like poetry in motion, and, and he was confident, knew what he was doing. It was fluid and smooth, and he was basically doing a Chi Sao demonstration with a, with a student, and the other thing that impressed me was they were visibly having fun yeah um he he was he was showing basically the the, the application of 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 chi sao and how you develop your your basic principles of wing chun through chi sao they weren't fighting they were they were they were demonstrating chi sao and how and how that works to develop your skills and to develop those principles. Sure. And, and I, I loved that. And, and, and I found out he was from Tucson and, (laughs) and, and, uh, and I knew at that point I was going to study from him. I just, I just knew that was going to happen so
1: he's certainly a renowned name in, in in the martial arts world, and it sounds like you got a glimpse of of what we like to call heavy hands and a light heart people doing martial arts seriously, but actually having fun with it
3: yes yes that was that was important to me there's you know and and there's people do different martial arts for different reasons and you know oh. there's the fighting aspect the physical aspect of it the mental the spiritual the the all of that and and different people focus on different things i i really wanted that whole that whole package truthfully i didn't know who he was and i didn't know what wing chun was and <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't know anything at that point i just saw how he moved and and it drew me to it and uh, a couple years after that, I did go to his school, signed up, and I've actually been there ever since. That was ninety ninety three when I started, and I'm still there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I I teach there, and I still study from him, and and uh, he's he's just an amazing person all the way around. Um, he's continuously growing and learning and evolving, and and uh, you know, you you when you can never catch up to your teacher, there's there's something there, yeah. um, there's something deeper there. It it's made it. I, I don't know. It's made it's made my life pretty amazing.
1: I know. I, the only way I feel I might ever catch up with my teacher is if he drops dead soon. So
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll live yeah. another
1: forty years, you know. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not that I'm yeah. wishing
1: for that, Alan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I know. And uh <sighs> so so that's the, the basic uh path of my martial arts training. Um and then artistically, if if I can go into that absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Um uh, well, there's. I guess, I guess I can say there's two things that I've always been interested in: is, is uh, physical activity and art. Uh, when I was in high school, I did I did really well in two classes, gym and art, and <laughs> and all the all the other classes not so much. Yeah. Um, that was the the story of my life. And uh, when I came to Tucson uh, in my early 20s, um, I went to the U of A. University of Arizona
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, to get my uh, art degree. I was studying art there. I got a, my bachelor of fine arts degree there in sculpture. I was I was much more drawn to three dimensional artwork than two dimensional artwork. Upon uh, graduating from college, I uh, worked in a grocery store for two years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were it's hard to find a job with an art degree. Uh, yeah. Um, is a, a difficult path I chose, but um, I did land a job uh, eventually with a company called the Larson Company, and uh, what they did was uh, exhibits for zoos and museums and aquariums. Um, I got a job there as a model maker uh, in the model department, and I did that for about six years. Um, I was supervising there when I when I left. Um it was a great company. It was amazing to work there with all of the different artists that were there. There were painters and sculptors and woodworkers and welders and people who sculpted concrete and designers and and all of that. It was a it was an amazing place to to work and learn. That's well, such a and, great way to
1: learn things when you just get thrown in with a group of people that are coming at the oh, same yeah. thing from all these different angles.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And by actually
1: doing, you know, <laughs>
3: It now, was, let, me, let, me ask you,
1: let me ask you real quick before we move sure. on any further. Uh, now, you, you say you were very physical, you were into athletics, and you were also into art. Do you think that the fact that you were so into athletics uh, may have influenced the kind of art you got into? Because the stuff you do is not, you know, dabbing a little oil paint with a tiny brush on a piece of canvas. This this mm-hmm. is kind of physical art, you know, like... Uh, it is.
3: It got, is. You, go ahead. You're exactly right. I did, I I was uh, more interested in sculpture because it's more physical and I'm working with my hands and and, um, that's part of my nature, (laughs) I guess, all the way around. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I love the physicalness of of sculpting and creating things and making things with my hands. I'm not a a desk type person. I can't sit for very long. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't. I'm glad people can do that, but I, I'm not one of them. I can't, I can't do it. Um, so what happened with the Larson company was they, they, it was a great place to work, but it was managed poorly and it, it doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and it was starting to spiral downwards. So, uh, Mm. I decided to, to jump ship and start my own business as a subcontractor making models.
0: Okay. And,
3: um, so when I started to do that, this kind of goes back to the martial arts aspect of it. Um during that same time period, um I was studying Wing Chun and still doing some Tai Chi and uh in this would be probably ninety-four, uh, my teacher's teacher, Ho Kamming, came to Tucson to do a, a seminar. He's uh, living in Hong Kong and he came he came here to do a seminar. He brought with him a pair of wooden bat jangdo, uh, bat jang do are the Wing Chun. Uh, they're commonly called the butterfly, butterfly swords. swords yeah. Mhm. And I'd never seen wooden ones before. I thought that was really cool, and I just thought, well, I I could make these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can I can try doing this. So while I was building my model shop business um, studio on my own, I was also on the side. Dabbling into making wooden swords and what i knew was wing Chun and tai chi so i started with the bachang do and then the tai chi swords um uh, just making them for myself and for friends and my teacher and um realized that i really enjoyed doing that it took a lot of uh research and trial and error trial and error trial and error uh to to develop how to make these these swords and so this was a number of years that I was dabbling in this and, and trying to make it work. Sure. Um and let's see, I was doing the models and eventually um I had a website for the model making and I was doing that and the 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 sword stuff kind of grew and I had a website for that. And little by little, people started finding me and, and uh, ordering some swords from me. And eventually, the model stuff, I, I got to the point where I had to make a decision, uh, and I had to choose one or the other, because I was so busy then making swords. Um, and, and
1: you do all of this by yourself, right?
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all by myself. Well, yeah, I can imagine
1: how long it takes to make a good wooden sword, but if, and people, will put some links in the show notes. There's some stuff on our website now that's it's a little bit uh, buried, but you can find it that uh, where you can look at some of the models uh, that uh, Karina's made, and uh, they're amazing. You know, the the leafy sea dragon you have on there. I mean, that's not something you do in an afternoon.
3: No. No, and, and that was a great learning experience for me. Uh, you know, we did everything from zoo habitat enclosures to, you know, animal enclosures. When you go to a zoo and you see all the fake rock and the fake trees and yeah. those habitats, that's the kind of thing Larson did. It's and, all
1: sculpted, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, it's
3: all sculpted. Um, I didn't do the, mostly, I did not do the big stuff. I did models in the in the model shop that were used in the construction process. So I would make a model of, Oh, uh, uh, a blue whale, or the leafy sea dragon, or the you know whatever it was. Or a that scale model scale of the brain. enclosure right. they were building. Yeah. Mhm. Uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun, and and when it came to the point where I had to make that decision, it was a tough decision to make because I do enjoy that work also, but the the martial arts is really my life and my passion, and and. I really, really felt that there was a need out there for really good quality martial arts training weapons. I agree. Um, <laughs> there weren't, yeah, there, they, there was not much out there, especially in the Chinese uh, realm. Um, there were people making broken and, and wooden weapons, custom wooden weapons for, for, for Japanese uh, arts, and I didn't, I didn't go in that direction for a long time. Well, when I was uh, young, the
1: only weapons we could get our hands on for practice were uh, were Japanese, you know, shinai and boka yeah. and uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, there was almost nothing for Chinese, yeah. And, and if you loaded. found it, it was virtually made out of balsa wood. You know, it was certainly yeah. not good enough to spar with, and could exactly. even fly apart when you were doing a form with it. So it was, and yep. the the metal the metal you know you wouldn't call them wasters, but the metal practice swords weren't much better either
3: right no, exactly, exactly they 're not balanced the way real swords are they're they 're cheap and flimsy and and I really felt that there was a need uh, a need for that um, uh, so that 's the direction that I took, and I spent a lot of time researching not just weapons themselves and how they should feel and how you how they how they 're used. But then I had to look into uh, researching wood and the mechanical properties of wood, and and what would work for a blade, as opposed to what works for a wooden dummy. Wouldn't I make wooden dummies as well? And mm-hmm. and this, it's a different type of wood. Different woods have different properties, and um, it took me a lot of pr- a lot of a lot of uh, trial and error and practice and and revising and revising uh, uh, to to get. To where I am now, as far as how my what my process is, and the woods that I use. Um, I
1: I definitely want to get into that. Uh, First off, on the woods you use, um, most of your most of the impact parts of your swords, uh, you know, the blade and the tang, if you would call it that, uh, in a wooden sword, are are made out of uh, hickory. Is that correct?
3: Yes. Yeah. Hickory. Hickory is a very nice wood for the blades. It's very durable. It has a hard surface tension to it and the grain structure is is such that it, it's got flex to it um, yeah it tends you,
1: to dent instead of chipping it just dents a little bit which is
3: yeah some woods will some woods when they're struck they will they will shatter um, some will more rip or tear and what you want in a, in a wooden training sword if you're going to use them for for heavy sparring. Is I mean it's wood, so eventually it can break, and if you hit them hard enough against force against force, they can break.
1: Yeah, same is true um, as of, of any metal sword as well. Sure,
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. A lot of people who do... never
1: had a real metal sword in their hand don't realize that you don't just bash away with those things. They're yeah. designed to operate a certain <laughs> way, and if you don't do it right, you can really damage the blade.
3: Yes, exactly, exactly. And and you know when when I when I sell my my swords, I make them for every everybody everybody from the 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 older person who might have arthritis who just wants a very lightweight sword to do their tai chi forms with down to the 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 kids the not kids but the young adults who who just wanna bash each other around oh, yeah. <laughs> and and everything in between i mean absolutely everything in between um so so yeah the I do try to make I do try to make a, a variety of different types of swords even within the same style of sword if someone wants it to be lighter because they're not going to it's not going to receive any impact from another weapon they're just going to do forms with them down to people who are really Gonna hit hard, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to put well, I, it mildly.
1: One of the things I like about your wooden swords is the ones that are supposed to be fairly heavy, like I have one of your Dadao, um, uh-huh. and uh, you know, it's it's heavy, but it's heavy like it's supposed to be. Like, you know, I I train with a, with a heavy uh uh staff as well, and yeah. I've seen like uh, you know, I have a friend that's uh that's that's pretty crack on good at, at wushu forms, and uh, right. He showed up one day, and he happened to have his staff, and I had my staff, and he showed just a blistering staff set with uh, with his with his wushu staff. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "Oh, let me see your staff." And he attempted the same form, and the thing flew out of his hand about five times.
3: Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're, 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 it's a totally different animal when you're doing the wushu stuff and, and performing. It's a completely different animal than than actual swordsmanship. And, and there's a difference, and there's a purpose for both. Sure. You know, the, the wushu is just absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. Oh,
1: oh yeah. I didn't, and, I didn't mean that to knock it. Yeah. I thought his forms oh, no, were fantastic no, and much better looking than mine, but uh, yeah. you know, I could <laughs> hang on to my stick, so I had something yeah. going for me, too.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous, and the, the athleticism that's involved. But the actual swordsmanship in, in any art and any culture um, historically is, is, is just very different. And and so the weapon needs to be different um yeah. for that purpose.
1: Well I um, tell you that Daw Dow sits uh you know, right inside the uh, the door from the kitchen to the living room. And if anybody unwanted ever shows up at my house, that's the first yeah. thing I'm grabbing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's it, a big it, sword. <laughs> it's like
1: a cricket bat with balance, you know. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a dangerous yep. implement. But yeah. anyway, not it, to harp on that particular sword too much. You can tell I like it though.
3: Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad you do. That's, that's why I do what I do. It's, it's very fulfilling, um, to have people, when I receive an email from somebody and, and they, they say, I just got my sword today and I love it. It's beautiful. And I can't wait to practice with it tomorrow. And, you know, that just, that makes me really happy <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah
3: um it's very very fulfilling to to help to encourage people to practice their art, whatever their art is um yeah. Uh, if I can be a part of helping them to train, then I feel like I've, I'm, I'm giving back and I'm, I'm doing something.
1: Yeah. Well, another wonderful thing about these swords that you make is they're, and, uh, you know, I, I have that da-da of mine, but I, I've ordered a few of them as gifts for, you know, fellow practitioners and stuff. And the, mm-hmm. they've been universally really well received. And one thing that everybody remarks on is how, you know, attractive they are. They're the kind of thing that, you know, they're not super expensive, but if you take care of it properly, it can last you a lifetime. And right. they look good as well uh, right. So you use a variety of different woods For you know, handle scales and that sort of thing And I, one of the things I was wondering is you know, over the, You've been doing this now for quite some time So uh, I know exotic woods can kind of come and go And there can be difficulties with, you know, uh, with where they come from And that sort of stuff How have mm-hmm. you settled on the woods that you use And have you used stuff in the past That just simply became unavailable Or how, how does that work?
3: Um, most of the woods that I use are still available. Um, there was one wood that I tried for, to make blades with called Osage Orange, mm-hmm. um, and it is another fantastic wood for the blade, uh, but I just could not find enough of it uh, that the the grain was nice and straight. For a blade, the grain has to really run straight along the, the path of the blade um, sure. in order to be structural and... Um, that was one that that failed. I wasn't able to keep making, I was using. Sorry, um, but as far as the other woods, uh, hickory is abundant,
0: mm-hmm.
3: so I, I have I have good luck with that. And the uh, the purple heart and the jatoba or hatoba, um, uh that I use for the hilt wood, uh, I still use those, and they're still pretty abundant. Um, I don't use any rare or extinct or exotic woods. Um I just don't wanna go there. Um sometimes yeah. I get requests for peoples like the you know, ebony and this, these different woods and they're they're these woods are, are too rare and they're extremely expensive <laughs> right um, and I just i I don't go there i I would rather use woods that are are more abundant and more available um, well uh, especially w- if you're don't... using
1: it for any kind of sparring or something like that you know you're you gonna put wear and tear on it and why spend five hundred dollars for an exotic you know
3: yeah. e-
1: endangered wood when you're gonna beat it to pieces
3: eventually right right that's the that's the the uh, the balance I need to keep. Um, i'm trying to make a, a sword that looks really nice and is also very durable and very well made um and so the the construction methods have to be uh sound and and the wood has to be uh you know good good durable wood <laughs> That's all i can tell about that <laughs> um but i haven't had any i haven't had any uh real big disappointments as far as wood goes, as far as them disappearing on me so far. Okay. I um, hope that stays so, that way. So, so far we're doing, we're, we're safe with the woods that I'm using. Uh, white oak is another really good wood for, for blades. Um, but I really prefer the hickory. It's, it's really, it's really uh, the test of time as, you know, Proven that it's it's a it's a really good wood for yeah.
1: for the blades. Now hickory's got a long history of being used to hit people with. So
3: yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> they didn't yeah. call Andrew Jackson old hickory for nothing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go.
1: Uh, so, yeah. tell me a little bit about, uh, um, I know you've done, uh, you know, some l- larger scale work for for uh, different martial arts schools, if you want to call them that, or so. Maybe we need to get into the evolution of the other kinds of stuff, not just the Chinese martial arts thing you do, but you've done uh, swords for Great River Tai Chi Association, if I'm correct, and... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. ARMA and some of the people who yeah. do some of the Western stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's got to really put your blades to the test. So t- tell me about how that developed and, and, you know, how that's worked out.
3: Well, with the with the ARMA people, the Association for Renaissance Martial Arts and other Western swords groups, um, I and basically everything that I do, not everything that I do, but most of the items that are on my website, are, are there because people have asked me to make them. Um, I started with the Chinese stuff and just that, you know, I had a, a, maybe five different swords on my website to start with. And I was just looking at it today and I make like 50 different types of what we- training weapons now. Yeah. And that all came about mostly by people, uh, contacting me and can you make this, uh, study this art. Can you make, can you make this and that? And, so i receive emails from people and they'll send me a photograph and some dimensions and um that's that's how that's how i've i've come to make so many different types of swords um and then the western swords they really they really go hard at each other with those swords and i and they had to be really durable and um as well as some of the other styles too but the the western martial arts was really what introduced me to um, really, really looking into uh, making these swords really durable. Well, they're, and, and they're and typically
1: the, armored up too, so they can they can go at each other harder than maybe somebody in your average Tai Chi class who's not wearing, you know. Some leather yeah. armor or something of that sort
3: <laughs> right, right, and people are now even with with some of the tai chi uh schools they're doing more of that they're trying to to come back with uh more actual swordsmanship and the applications of the of the motions that they're learning in these forms and bringing that back bringing that back to life uh there's a lot of people out there who who they gear up now too and and uh use the swords more realistically. And more applications. I mean, you still need to use control when you're using a wooden sword. And um, oh yeah, that's to me. That's one of the beauties of a wooden sword is that you have to imagine that it's a real sword, even though it's not. You have to imagine that it does have a sharp blade on a sharp edge on it, even though it doesn't, and use it that way. Um, right. If you don't,
1: if you don't maintain edge orientation and all the things that you would need to practice with a real, you know, with a metal sword with a live blade, then you're not helping yourself out anyway if you're trying to learn how to use one.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've seen people with the foam swords and some plastic swords. The boffers. And they tend to to forget that and and just start wailing on each other. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't tell people how to train or anything, but One of the beauties of a wooden sword is that when you're using it, you realize it can break, just like a real sword can break. You can't go at it full force against force, and you don't want to develop those bad habits anyway. Right. So there's benefits to knowing that your sword can break. Um, And even though it's
1: not live steel, it can also hurt you,
0: you know? Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, busted knuckles. Uh, you know, you can, you can poke and out and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, so you're, you 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 have to keep in mind that you're, you're trying to develop control of yourself and control of your weapon. And, and, uh, the, the wooden swords, I think, uh, suit, suit that purpose well. Um, they're not as heavy as, as metal swords. And a lot of times I get, uh, I get questions from people that, can you make me a sword that weighs four pounds? Well, if it 's the big baguadado maybe but but the Tai chi sword i can 't make that heavy. it would be a big club and right <laughs> it, it would, you, can, you just can 't make a wooden sword the same weight as a steel sword, um, but the balance and the, theme, the, the the feeling of it and the balance you can you can mimic pretty closely, not exactly, but you know, I try yeah. to do it as closely as I can.
1: Well, I mean, with the in my experience with the with the dao dao in particular, but even with uh, you know the dao you make the the, the Chinese broadswords and that sort of anything that has a significant breadth of blade to it, yeah. the, the weight's actually very close to what I mean. A lot of people assume that real swords were extremely heavy, and they weren't. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if yeah. they pick up a you know some sort of wall hanger and it's made out of pot metal and it weighs eight pounds, and that but that's not the way a real sword is.
3: Right, yeah, and it depends on the sword, and, and you know, some people go way overboard with believing that they, you know, the Kwondo even, the 50-pound Well All Right, it, it,
1: it, it weighs be. nine I mean, caddies, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, realistically, unless it was just for a ceremonial purpose or something, you can't fight with something that weighs <laughs> that much. It's not realistic. Looking right. I think legend. it was
1: one of those things like uh, you know, the Bagoa guys would practice with these enormous broadswords that yes. you know they weren't really intended to be battlefield weapons, yes. but they were intended to develop extra strength and, you know, you, you know
3: Sure. Yeah, you can you can train with an with a with a bigger, heavier sword to develop your principles, to develop your your structure and your body unity and how your body moves the weapon. But you're not going to go into a battle with a super heavy weapon.
1: No, the guy you know, with the actual light weapon will kill you before you can lift it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but I try to, I try to, I try to please everyone, which is yeah. impossible to do, but um, well,
1: I... Do you get a lot of feedback from, like, say you're developing a sword that somebody's going to use as sort of as a standard sword in classes for sparring or for forms or something like that? Uh, do you have a process, uh, especially if someone's doing a larger order or something like that, where you know you design and make something and you send it to them and they say, "No, this is good, but it's not quite the balance isn't right" or this or that? Have you ever been through that process?
3: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I like I like to do when I'm doing custom work for people or for a school and they want to develop their own their own uh, weapon for for whatever they do. Um, I will if if somebody wanted to order, say, twenty swords or, or a larger number. Um, I will suggest that they order one or two to start with, and then work with them if they want to make changes to it before they order more. Um, and and I enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing the custom work for for different schools when you know because some people they even with the dough or whatever they want to develop their own little flair, their own little you know their own little thing, and right. and I'll do that and. Um, the The only thing I I don't like doing and I and I don't do is I don't make fantasy swords or cartoon swords or swords from video games. Right. Um, I do get I do get some some requests for those and and I have to turn them down. Um, I I'd stick with historical historical weapons and and martial arts weapons and and uh, and that sort of thing.
1: I did, but I do I, love let it. me ask you why i mean just because you know somebody might think well you know you could make a little extra money if you made those well, you crazy know, things I,
3: I could and there is a market for that Yeah, there's <laughs> somebody out there who who might want to get into that and make the the video game swords and the fantasy swords mostly time i do not have time um when somebody orders a sword for me right now the turnaround time it about seven weeks you're looking at almost two months for me to make one for yep. for a person because of my backlog is so big right um and so i really want to focus on on the martial arts uh people and 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 um you know it's not like I have uh, anything against the other swords, and I could probably charge more <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and uh make some really fancy you know fantasy swords
1: right on weapons and so
0: forth
3: yeah, yeah but i i I do everything here myself uh answer emails and doing my accounting and making the swords and packing them and shipping them and
1: well this is this is a good place. let me just stop you right here because this is definitely one of the big questions I had for you. And I've, I, I, we talked about this a little via email before, but like I, I worked in a shop where it was basically a sole proprietor. He brought me on to help out with some stuff or whatever for a while. But, you know, I've watched a guy who does his own designs and he, he was making leather armor and all sorts of other stuff for the yeah. sort of the Renaissance fair crowd. And, uh, it's, it's amazing the amount of work that, that he would put in from you yeah. know, morning to evening. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody like what a typical day in your shop looks like.
3: Oh, gosh. Just so um, they get a
1: feel for that.
3: <laughs> well, get up in the morning and I check my email usually um, and answer questions. And I do get I do get a lot of questions from people. Um, so I, I do that little bit of computer work first in the morning. But then I'm, I'm out in the shop and I'm m- m- cutting wood, <laughs> <laughs> cutting and sanding wood pretty much all day long. Seven days a week uh, right now I'm working all the time and uh, i you know i have i've taken a i took a four day vacation uh two years ago <laughs> 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 uh, so I, mean, I just i'm working all the time um but yeah typical day it's just the same old thing I'm coming out here and and making swords and wooden dummies and it's like uh,
1: typically how many how many swords just on average, would you have running at one time, or do you make them one at a time? You know? I
3: make them in batches. Okay. I, I receive um, probably on a weekly basis. I can get anywhere from say three to ten orders in a week, and in that, in those orders, can be for one sword or they can be for fifteen swords. Um, so, so I, I usually can make. And it's hard to put solid exact numbers on it, but I can usually make anywhere from five to ten swords a week. And I'm always making a wooden dummy at the same time. I'm always working on the dummies on the, uh, at the same time. Probably five to ten a week that I can, that I can actually make. And it depends on the sword. Some, some take longer to make than others. Um, but, I, but I make them in batches. I don't make exactly one at a time. I'll make, you know, five or ten at a time. And, right. you know, cut out all the hilts, cut out all the blades. Um, and then fabricate and put them together and and finish them and uh so I work in batches and it's just there's I, over the years I have trimmed down my my production time as much as I possibly can um and I do have I've have some help occasionally um my my boyfriend my poor boyfriend uh, <laughs> he has his own <laughs> he has his own full-time job but uh once in a while on the weekends I'll you know, honey, can you come help me and and uh he actually loves it because it's you know, it's it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, working it's... with tools and, and you know, that it's it's fun to do when it when you're not doing it every day. Um, so he, I get a little bit of help from him occasionally and and uh I have some friends that once in a while can can come up and help me out a little bit here and there. Um, so I do get a little bit of help once in a while, but it's not consistent. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's mostly just me.
1: And it's uh, one of those things if you're the person doing it day in and day out and figuring out all the little tricks, like like I was helping that guy out, and I got fairly fast, but he mm-hmm. could he could do the same amount of work in about a third of the time it took me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's the he thing. He was a machine, uh, I, you know. <laughs> it, it's really hard to teach people what I do. And, and there are certain things that people can do. They can cut out basic shapes of the wood and, and there's a, a, the sanding certain things. Uh, but a lot of it I have to do myself. It would take me much longer to try and show somebody or teach somebody um, than just doing it myself. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really hard. It's a, it's a difficult thing. And, I, and I'm located uh, in a rural area so I don't have a lot of people, you know, close by. Um, and this is a real specialty niche thing. I can't just put a, put an ad out for a wooden sword maker, uh, right. <laughs> you know, I, a helper. Uh, it's a real specialty niche kind of thing, and and uh, it's difficult. I, I developed how I do things on my own. It was my own experimentation.
1: Okay, we had a little burp there, but we're back. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, you're telling us about the process there at your studio, and and I totally get that. Uh, that, That's the exact same feeling that I had working with that guy. It's like, you know, uh, I would do the simple stuff, you know. I would cut the strips of leather to make the belts or whatever, but he's beveling and grooving and punching them at three times the rate of speed that I could pull out. So, (laughs) yeah. And, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, maybe one day you'll get an apprentice, though, that can uh, rise to that level. Or do you think this yeah, is something well, somebody just has to be called to and kind of pull on their own? Excuse me? Do you think with, uh, with, with this sword making, it's sort of a thing like the martial arts where you can show somebody basically what you're doing. But, you know, in, unless they really had the drive and the desire and practiced on their own and sort of sorted some things out for themselves, that they'd never yeah. really get to that point anyway.
3: Yeah, it, it, it is exactly the same. They have to be really interested in it, and and you find, it's funny you you say that. Um, I am I am looking at uh, teaching here at my home at my studio eventually, and um, uh, maybe one of these days I'll have a student that uh, can apply this and, and this as well. Right, um, somebody coming in with already
1: with already wanting to do the martial arts and and having that edge to behind wanting to do the woodworking.
3: Yeah. That that is a that is a distinct possibility for the future. I would like to I would like to eventually evolve into doing more teaching um as of the martial arts as well. Um the the, the other aspect of what I do is is uh, the difficulty of it is it's very physical and it's very in my body. Um, so I don't know how long I will, I will do this as long as my body will allow me to.
0: Um,
3: but it's, it's, it's hard on my hands. It's hard on my neck. It's hard on my back. It's, you know, I love what I do, but it's, it's very physical, which I like. I like part of it, but, uh, it's doing it so much is, is it, you know, it takes its toll on you physically. And so I need to, I need to try to work, not, many hours <laughs> I, I, I need to uh, uh, start I would like to start teaching uh, Wing Chun and Tai Chi and and uh, have a little more time for that and make the swords and somehow balance those two things out um, better than I'm doing right now um,
1: so well worst eventually. case scenario you, you you just make the waiting list longer for us so we'll get in line <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the only thing I can do. I, I you know I hate having people wait so long, but um, it's it's uh, there's nothing else I can do. They just people just have to wait, and I'm really blessed. My customers are for the most part really really patient and and uh, willing to wait. Um, well, so I've ordered
1: uh, enough of these that I have a term for it now. Uh, I call it Christmas in July. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll order something, and then you sort of have that excitement. It's like I know not to even bother checking the front stoop for the UPS package for the first month or so, but then, yeah. then I start looking for that thing, and you know, it's like, oh, come on, come on, come on! Finally, it's there, and you are like, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: I know it's hard. It's hard to wait.
1: Well, I, uh, I think it's I think it's worth it though. That's uh, that's why you keep getting the business because you really make a quality product.
3: Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and, and I really appreciate my customers. I've got, I've got great customers. Um, and like I said, for the most part, they really understand, um, where, where their stuff is coming from and that it just takes time. Uh, you know, if you were going to order a custom, gu- custom guitar from somebody, you, you're you going to wait a year or two and, yeah. and you expect that, um, and I think more and more people are understanding that that if they order from me they're gonna get a good product and but they have to wait for it <laughs> so so and and my wooden dummies actually um as far as that goes, people do have to wait a, about a year because i've i I can make one wooden dummy about every five weeks or so, and um I've got usually you know, eight to ten people on the waiting list. So it's a year or plus. Uh, yeah, let me ask maybe. you about the wooden
1: dummies. Uh is do mm-hmm. you do strictly uh Wing Chun Muk Jong, or do you do uh there are several different uh, Chinese systems in particular that that have their own little variations on the wooden dummy. Do you do you do many of Mostly those right
3: most mostly right now i'm just making the wing chun wooden dummies i will make them uh, other kinds if if they're you know requested of me if it's something that i can make right. um uh but mostly it is just the wing chun i've i've i think it's called a ching jong in, in it for for a uh, foot mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um uh i've looked into that a little bit but i've never made one um Uh, so yeah, right now,
1: our co-host Craig has a design, you know, that he inherited through his Northern Shaolin system for a wooden dummy. That's different from most of the ones I've seen. So it's unfortunate he couldn't be with us tonight.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He could have at least run it past you to
1: see if it was plausible.
3: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it probably would be. Um, it just really depends. Um, and even within just the Wing Chun system, there's, Variations between different lineages of, of Wing Chun, and you know, I, I try to make them for everybody, uh, not just one lineage or another, um, because different people and different. Same with the swords. There's some schools that they want their their dummies a certain way, certain dimensions, and right. and I'm glad to do that. I don't I don't just do what's on my website. I do I do custom work all the time, um, so. Awesome. I just, I just want people to practice, and I want to have them have something nice to practice with. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: well, we appreciate it,
3: Helen. I,
1: I, I, we've covered most of the stuff I wanted to get to, and I don't want to keep you on the phone all night, especially because now I understand how truly busy you are. But uh, let let me just throw a couple of other questions at you that I had and, you know, just answer them if you feel like it. But um, one thing is, as a Wing Chun teacher, and you've you've been a certified Wing Chun teacher for quite some time now, um, what is it about, like, there there are three or four, uh, especially when you're talking about Chinese martial arts systems, you've got uh, Taiji, Wing Chun, you know, there's only a few styles that are as broadly popular as Wing Chun is. And now I know there's a bunch of factions or whatever, and I have no desire to get into that. But as just mm-hmm. a general martial art, um, you know, and as much time as you've spent in it, what do you think is so broadly appealing about Wing Chun? Why is that something that a lot of people gravitate to?
3: You know, I, I, it's hard to answer because I, I don't know exactly why. I, I mean, I do it because I love it, and, and what attracted me to it was really not the system. It was the teacher, and and they all are different. You know, there's, yeah. there's all different lineages of Wing Chun out there, and, and they're all a little bit different, and the principles are, are you know, they have to be the same, but the, the, the methods are a little bit different. Sure. Um uh, but as as far as the general population and what is where they're drawn to, you know, it's probably when you when you see, boy, the, the Wing Chun in the movies is is so not not what Wing Chun really is. Like every other martial it art, it look, yeah. <laughs> it, looks, it makes it look, yeah, it, you know, it's the same thing and and it, they make they make it look so dynamic and so you know the hands are so fast and, and yeah. it's, it's so cool looking and 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 it is and 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 it is fast in that way but but you know, I you know I just have to I I'd have to say that that's the movies that really get people in the door um, and the, right. and the you know, the fighting aspect of it, because Wing Chun, the forms are not flashy and fancy. It's very practical. Um, so it's not, it's not flowery or, or, or fun to watch, uh, as far as the forms and things. And, and the Chi the Chi Tao development is where, where the development is as far as the, the application th- of,
1: th- of th- how Wing Chun works. I think that may be one of the uh, things that is appealing and can kind of help a broader base of people stay in it. You know, if you're in a martial art that that requires you be able to do a flying sidekick or a back flip or whatever,
3: yeah, that's going to yeah. cut a
1: lot of people out, including me right, at this right. age. And, you know,
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, your feet are on the ground, and it's 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 much more practical oriented, and um, I, I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but. Yeah, it still it, has it, it one has hand has, in the
1: self-defense rather than just performance.
3: Yeah, 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 it's definitely not performance-oriented. It's more practical self-defense-oriented, and and you can learn the the general basics of it fairly quickly. But the more you get into it, the more you realize it never ends. You just there's so much to learn, and and there's so much to feel, and you're you're learning. You're learning the control of yourself. You yeah. Know, see all the principles, and and uh, that never ends. You yeah. can learn forms very quickly, um, but uh, I think that, that aspect of it, that down-to-earth kind of aspect of it, is, is what people are really drawn to.
1: Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I've found, especially as I've gotten older, is I've kind of grown away from martial arts that have lots of forms and lots of fancy-looking stuff to more, yeah. uh, you know, like, the, uh, Bagua is what I mainly do now. And it's, yeah. you know, there's, there's basically 108 techniques, and they're all just techniques, not long forms, you know. But mm-hmm. the system's set up in such a way as you learn that, and then you have a toolbox, and then you can spend the rest of your life recombining, reassessing, moving parts around. Yeah. Like, just it's, it's a spiral that just keeps going with, with basically mm-hmm. the same tools. Uh, yeah. And, and from what, what I get from Wing Chun practitioners, and and you seem to be reinforcing this, is that it's another martial art that's set up very much the same way. It's not a vast corpus of information to learn, but it's a toolbox that you learn how to do, how to build whatever structure you want with over time.
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and it's really for me, Wing Chun or or martial arts in general is really a, it's a method of self exploration and self-discovery and and when you get deeper into it into the not only the physical but the mental and the spiritual aspects of it it's it it, it it's uh you know that the fighting aspect of it is there and and but so are all the other aspects that that relate to everything in your life and and um yeah it, it's practical and down to earth and but it's also endless in what you in what you can learn about yourself and it's really learning about yourself not 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 so much how to control your opponent it's how to control yourself and and if you can feel these things and it's all about feeling it's not you know you get away from the, the techniques but you're starting to try to feel how your body moves and what's happening when you're when you're doing these motions and you're doing these movements and you're you're looking more inward
0: yeah
1: and refining and that stuff just going. down into a sort of a subconscious uh, framework that you can apply to all sorts of aspects of life, not just when you're jumped yes. in the alley. Yep. Yep,
3: exactly.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, this has been a ton of fun, and I, I wish you the best of luck with uh, with your teaching in the future. And I hope that gets going for you, and, and all this other stuff. Uh, uh, and also, I want to make clear to everybody that's listening: uh, you know, uh, uh, Karina's not sending me a check. I'm not endorsing this uh, product because <laughs> I have any yeah. investment in it. I'm endorsing it because it's yeah. simply the best that I've found uh, in in dealing with this sort of thing. And uh, so I wanted to make sure our listeners knew about it and also knew something about what was going on behind the scenes. Um, I think you do fabulous work over there. And uh, before, we, before we end this, uh, please mm-hmm. tell everybody, you know, what you've got coming up in the future, where, where they can contact you, where they can look at some of your work. Go ahead and give us the, the, the Internet or whatever else uh, uh, digits uh, for what you're doing.
3: Okay. Well, I, I do have a website. <laughs> Um, It's www.little-raven.com. And I have a Facebook page. Uh, If you probably look at uh, Facebook slash Raven Studios, you'll probably find me if you search on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the future, you know, I, I, I want to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, and I, you know, I, I encourage people to, to contact me if they have custom work they want done or if they just want to order something from my website, which is ancient, by the way. My website is really old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is real old, man. You you know, I, I've got friends who are pretty good at that. Maybe uh, I'll send somebody your way to,
3: to put, yeah, a, put a I'm, new kind of blog. But I'm it's really very functional, it. you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, that's it's uh, it's hard for me to keep up on my website. Uh, just just uh, that time, that time thing is, is, is not there. But uh, like I said before, I I really want to start teaching more and uh, co- and uh, balancing that out with the with the sword making and and the weapon making. And uh, I just I really want to just keep doing more of the same as long as my as long as my body will hold out and as long as people keep ordering, I'll I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And right. I really enjoy. it. It's a lot of fun.
1: You know it sounds like you really you really love your work and that's all any of us can hope for in this life huh
3: Yeah yeah that's for sure I mean it's it's tough and it's very challenging but I I I always like a challenge and and uh I I really love the martial arts and the people and and uh it's just been very very satisfying for me to to be able to do what I'm doing right now. I feel very very blessed in that way.
1: Well, we appreciate you doing it. And as an old friend of mine once said, find what you like and let that kill you because
3: yeah. <laughs> something. <laughs> exactly. <well. laughs> that's exactly right. I couldn't I couldn't have said it better myself. That's you know, I'm I love what I'm doing and and it's going to kill me. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, I hope not. But but I
1: understand that completely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we we very much appreciate you coming on and talking. I, I keep saying us like I've got a frog in my pocket. My co-host was supposed to be here. I yeah, appreciate yeah. you coming on and talking to me. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I really want Great. you to stay in touch with us. Uh, if anything new comes up, let us know. And uh, I will yeah. be at the back of the line again with you soon as a customer.
3: All right. Well, I appreciate that. And really, I I really love what you guys are doing with this podcast. And uh, you're doing a really great service uh, to the martial arts community. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with that as well.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, somebody posted on our Facebook page today that uh, what we do is uh, you get everything you'd get out of a martial arts magazine, but uh, read by the uh, characters on MST3K. So (laughs) if we can aspire to that high standard, I think we'll be okay for a while. It's a great show. All right, well, uh, Karina, it's been a blast, and we will talk to you soon.
3: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: So we're back. Um, hiya, thanks. yeah, <laughs> hiya, howdy. Uh, thanks so much to Karina for coming on the show. That's Karina Sorvintioni. We will have all of her information in the show notes. And again, she's not paying us. Uh, we, I went looking for her because uh, I think the work she does is just fantastic. And if you're looking for a wooden practice weapon or uh, sparring sword, you'd be hard pressed to do much better. And uh, she charges a reasonable price for these things too. I agree. Yep. The only thing is the weight. and Thais can tell you I'm like a I'm like a child at Christmas when I've ordered mm-hmm. one of those things like three or four weeks ago. By I'm like all right, it's going to be here any day. I'm out there watching the <laughs> UPS truck go down the street, drooling.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Okay. So that was a blast. And uh, again, I'm yeah. Glad. Thanks so much, Karina. Yeah, I'm glad we finally broke the seal. We've got some feminine voices on the podcast. Can't we wait
2: want, to hear the next one.
1: We want that too. to continue. Listeners out there, you know, if, if you know a woman who's a martial artist, a competitor, or has something to do with this, and would like to be on the show, feel free. To drop us a line at mailbag at com. That's where you can reach us with all your correspondence. Excuse me. Well, <laughs> check us out at uh, our Facebook page. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Go ahead and follow us. Uh, we'll be throwing questions out there that people can jump in and help tweet? us answer for shows. Wow. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. I'm oh, learning.
2: Oh, oh, I might have to do that. I might have to, I might have to join.
1: Yeah. I, you know, my phone quit i'm not really function so i have to go online to do it so i'm not on top of it like real tweeters are
2: i'm not really much of a a bird myself but uh you know i might get there
1: um yeah yeah well you know some new social media come along and swamp it soon anyway but for the time being get on twitter follow us you might help us answer a question from time to time here on the show And uh, what else did I miss? You know, download us on uh, iTunes or whatever your favorite. Rate and
2: review if you
1: want. Rate and review because I want. (laughs) (laughs) We love those things. Those keep us in play on the iTunes rankings, and we slide downward if we don't get them. And I'll just tell you, folks, it's been December 8th, the day before my birthday, last year, with the last review and rating we got
2: oh my goodness that's more than two months ago
1: now i know people fall apart during the holidays i understand we all do it i, I did it this year too but come on now it's, oh just it's give him a five star would yeah. you do it give make, us give us a my high five happy for me type a couple of sentences about how freaking fantastic we are that's all we ask Really, yeah.
2: <laughs> freaking fantastic! Okay, that's right. yeah,
1: you can just type those two words in there and move along with your day, and we'll be happy. Uh, so yeah, and we
2: need a little happiness for this one over here. Okay, that's
1: right. Come on, bring me some joy here. We're pulling out of the winter doldrums, and uh, we will be back next week with a fantastic interview with uh, with a Taekwondo expert. Yes, indeed, we're getting cool. we're branching out into martial arts here, and he's got some fascinating things to tell us about the arts. Some stuff that I didn't even know. <coughs> oh, oh my goodness I, <clears throat> I think I swallowed a bottle cap In the champagne lounge
2: honey oh, type.
1: I better go out there And you can give me a Heimlich
2: Okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect answer Alright folks Until next week Hiya Ooh, Right into the mic That was a hot one Coming right at you Sorry. <laughs>